Good morning, everyone. So thanks for being willing to uh, be a part of an atypical Sunday morning. Uh, I'd like to invite our uh, community members that are going to be a part of this panel this morning. Uh, we have Rhea, Sarah, and Zach. Let's give them a round of applause. Well, I'll just pray for us real quick as we get started this morning. Um, dear Lord, uh, we're thankful for these opportunities to really just hear from one another, from our peers, from our uh, uh, people that we really care and love about. Uh, and Lord, we're just thankful for um, uh, who you see in us. And Lord, even though we don't always recognize it, uh, we come before you on days like this recognizing um, just that uh, you love us, you care for us, and that um, you're speaking into us each and every day. Pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so yeah, let's let's do uh, this little panel, and thanks again for being a part of it. Um, so uh, we'll just kind of go down the line. Uh, tell us a little a bit about yourself, um, key things, uh, where are you originally from. Um, what do you do uh, for your day-to-day job or just day-to-day living? And then finally, how long have you been at Missio? So, Rhea, you want to start? Hi, I'm Rhea. Um, and I am originally from St. George, Utah, um, but I've been in Salt Lake for about the past six years. And I am a medical student at the University of Utah right now, so that's my day-to-day life. And I've been going to Missio and been a part of this community for about the past five years. Hello, I am Sarah, and I'm from a suburb outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And day-to-day, I work as a music therapist at Primary Children's Hospital. I'm also a grad student right now. And I've been at Missio like a year and three quarters ish. So, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Zach. Um, f- what I do for a living currently is I work as a credentialing coordinator for a locum's tenens staffing agency. Those of you who don't know what that means, I uh, basically help doctors get credentials at hospitals all over the country. Um, and then part-time, I actually am on staff here at Missio. I'm the youth and facilities coordinator. So um, where I'm from originally is a complicated question. Um, I moved 16 times by the time I was 14, so I didn't really have a place that I called home until I got to Utah. And I've now been here for about 15 years. Um, and I've been coming to Missio, my wife and daughter and I have been coming here since Easter of this year. So going on five, six months. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, early on uh, in this series, uh, Johnny had mentioned how we all have uh, different viewpoints about our core understanding of identity. Um, what would you say uh, shapes your core identity? Zach, if you want to start us off. Yeah, I mean, I've got the mic, so I guess I'll go for it. <laughs> um, It's a tough question because I I can't sit up here and say that first and foremost I have my identity fully figured out. 
I think it's, it's in process, um, and it has changed over the course of my life. I will say early on, if you'd asked me 10 years ago what had shaped my identity, my uh, answer would have been religion largely shaped what my identity was, and the legalistic side of religion played a big part in the shaping of that, of who I was um, and who I saw myself as. Um, if you were to ask me now, my answer would be very different. I don't consider myself a religious person, despite sitting on a stage in a church on a Sunday morning. I consider myself a follower of Christ. Um, and the difference in what has shaped my identity, instead of reading the Bible and looking for rules to lead me through life, I now try to look at the life of Christ and take inspiration from that. Um, and it's very much so in process. But that's what I'm attempting to shape my identity off of, is who Jesus models for us. Yeah, I think that that is such a loaded question that you could just go on for days and days thinking about it. And I think that's what people do, like philosophers and, you know, historians. But um, I think it's best summed up in, you know, like one version of my, my thoughts on identity is that it's, you know, the different roles that we take on and, and those like intersections between what we do for a living and how we present ourselves, but then also how people perceive us but then I think that there is like that core self, like, like Zach was saying, that I do try to hold on to. I grew up in church, and so I do find a lot of my, I, and I've always found like solace in belonging to Christ. And, and again, like I, I think you said it so well, of like trying not to just follow the rules, but just follow, trying to follow the life of, and the love of Christ. And then also knowing that that's for you and that the love that Christ and the worth that Christ gives you. Um, is really like a core part of who you are. And that always remains constant. So many of those other things, how people perceive you and how you perceive yourself and your different roles, that's always changing. It's still part of your identity. But I think like the, the thing that can, remains um, constant is your, your worth in Christ and, and the, the life that you can follow through him. Yeah, I think like Zach and Sarah have talked about, um, I think the question of identity is is complex. And I think for me, um, the thing that I tend to return to is um, what do I think is true about, about me? And I think the thing that I consider to be true um, and have considered to be true for a long time is just having that um, identity in, in belonging to to God and and being a and being a child of God, um, there are other things throughout life like um, things that I, I do for day to day, where I'm where I'm from. Um, I tend to think about origin a lot, so being um, thinking about like where's my family from, and um, so for me like being being a child of, um, of like an immigrant family and um, growing up in, in St. George has also informed like a lot of um, how I think about identity. But I think the thing that I return to um, is just being, is just belonging to Christ. Thanks so much, guys. I know that was a complicated question and we'll try to hash that out a bit more, but thanks for sharing that. Let's, let's maybe hone in a little bit more specifically. Uh, can you tell me about an early moment in life in which you believe helped shape the core of your identity as it exists today? 
Yeah, so I think for me, um, I, I did grow up in a, in a Christian household, um, although um, my, my mother was, was Christian. My, my father um, became a Christian when I was a few years old, um, and so kind of had that like upbringing, um, but also came from a family that um, had people who uh, were part of many different faiths, and I think for me, just um, like growing up in that in that faith upbringing was really shaped how I thought about my identity and and how I viewed myself. Um, and but I think it wasn't um, until I, when I was about 12 or 13 years old that I really um, decided to uh, embrace that and. Um, become a follower of Jesus, and and so I think that um, that was kind of the moment where I really embraced that core part of my identity. Yeah, I was thinking about this um, yesterday, and I don't know if there's like one specific moment that completely sh- like shaped who I am. I think it's a culmination of of just lots of little moments, and I think. <clears throat> Again, just you. It's the time of the of the day when I start getting phlegm in my throat. But <laughs> um, I think one big thing that sh- kind of shaped who I am. Um, again, like I said, that I grew grew up in church, and and that definitely shaped you know growing up. Like hearing you know that you're loved is really helpful, and hearing that you're loved by the Creator of all things. Um, but I also wanted to um, kind of shed light on something that Johnny talked about last week and how there, there can also be like a, a kind of like negative things that you say about yourself that also inevitably become part of your identity for better or for worse. And so <clears throat> I think, I don't know, I think it was like a culmination of little moments that another part of like my core beliefs or identities that that unfortunately that and I think that we all tell these lies about ourselves based off of the experiences that we've lived um one thing that I struggle with personally is feeling like this lie that like I'm not good enough and I think when I think about like the issues that are like conflicts that come up in my life I always go back to that I'm like that's where that stems from and I don't know exactly the moment that that has that that became part of my story that I adopted and that I'm trying to work through with God um, and with the people around me who love me. Um, but I think it's all these little moments. And so I think that that, like, that is an illustration of that the little things matter. Um, and the big things matter too, of course, but the little things really do add up. And so whether that's you know feeling like I didn't do enough around I don't know, to help my mom with something or that I did something wrong or, you know, whatever that is, those little things really add up and then that becomes a part of the story that you tell about yourself as well. Um, and so I just wanted to shed light on, on that as well. Like, I, you can believe that you're loved and that you're worth, but then also you tell these sad stories about yourself that, that it's hard to break that apart. So, yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate your transparency. Thank you. Uh, it's not easy to sit up here in front of people and talk about the things you struggle with. Um, but it hit home for me because 
when I think about like the moments that formulated that, there are a lot of negative things that you have to overcome. Um, and similar to the other stories shared, I was raised in a, a fairly religious household for most of my childhood. Um, through the Deep South, uh, I was kind of part of that revival culture where you'd go to the tent revivals. And um, church for me and a largely my identity because church was a lot of what we did um, became this emotional journey of seeking those emotions over and over again, right? Where you get to these highs, these incredible plateaus, and you're like, man, how do I live there? And I started to believe for myself that success in life became associated with getting that feeling as often as I could. It started young, going to things like summer camps or being involved in youth groups and having these experiences where the emotions ran high and I began to associate that with who Jesus was and began to say, when I can get that every day all the time, I'll know I've arrived. Um, and that became something that I chased. Um, I took up my first job working at a church when I was 15 years old. Um, I became a licensed pastor when I was 20 years old. Like this was something that I chased and chased and chased. And there was a moment that, unfortunately your question was when you were young. <laughs> the moment for me was when I was not so young. Um, I was in my 20s and was having a daughter for the first time. And um, I experienced something I've never experienced before and that was the love that a parent has for their child. Um, and a switch sort of flipped in my brain, my understanding of who Jesus was, my understanding of what the Father's love was like for me. It wasn't this overwhelming emotion that I had to chase. It was a constant, continuous part of my life that had been there the entire time, and I'd missed it in the lows and chased it in the highs, and I came to this place through my personal journey um, with my wife and with my daughter and with um, deconstructing and leaving the church and returning to it where God said to me something very important, and he said, I love you for exactly who you are. Um, and that was the moment for me. I was, I was 29 years old, and I finally heard the voice of God say to me, I just love you for exactly who you are. It's not about your performance. It's not about the things that you do. And for me, that was the defining moment. That was the moment that changed everything because I stopped looking in the mirror and hating myself for all of the mistakes I made. And I stopped looking ahead and saying, if only I can fix those things and make them right, I'll be better. And it became about my identity was like, God doesn't make garbage. He makes masterpieces. And um, he calls me one of those. And that was a key moment for me that again, like you were saying, I still believe the lies in the mirror sometimes, but it's nice to be able to fall back on the truth that is my own experience with God and how that has shaped who I am. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I really appreciate that each one of you kind of come from a different perspective, one being like familial backgrounds, um, a culmination of many different uh, moments, and, uh, and Zach, you being able to share like lot of big moments and <laughs> cool things that kind of shape you over that same sort of time. Um, what I did notice in all of your responses is that everyone here grew up in a Christian household, which um, not everyone has the opportunity to go through. And so it just almost has like a follow-up, like um, what sort of impact do you think that has being in a Christian household growing up, shaping your identity versus like what you would perceive if you weren't in a Christian household growing up because um, that can really either change things or in a lot of ways, it could be a very much uh, similar upbringing just with 
the word Christ not in it. Um, and it, I would just like to hear if any of you would have any reflection on, um, on what that sort of impact has on each of you. Yeah, great question. Um, so being, re first of all, I'd like to say, like, I'm, I'm super grateful for my upbringing, for my parents. I have a great relationship with them. They gave me so much over the course of my upbringing, and they do so today. Um, I will say that being raised in a Christian household had its benefits, and it had um, things that were, were difficult to overcome as well. Um, on top of moving 16 times and um, everything else that went along with that. I was also homeschooled for a large portion of the, the first part of my life. So I've got kind of that double whammy, right, of like Christian kid homeschooler. Um, so all of your preconceived notions you're building in your head about me right now, it's fun. Um, but in all seriousness, I, you know, I think that there were a lot of really great things that I took from that. Um, I had a stable home with parents who loved me and did their best to show me the love of Christ. And for that, I'm super grateful. Um, I think a difficult thing that came out of that was because we spent so much time in the church with my parents volunteering and being as involved as they were, um, the one thing that I picked up and took into adulthood with me that I wish I hadn't was this idea that what you did was who you were. And you mentioned this a little bit as well, um, that like it was important if you were in the right place or it was important if you were doing something selfless or volunteer-based. Um, and that built this idea in my head that I had to do something very specific in order to be successful in life. Um, so I don't know if that's a great answer to your question other than it was something that I've come to terms with. Like, I feel like I'm taking more positive things from my childhood in my 30s than I did in my teens and my 20s, whereas I tended to focus more on the things I didn't like from what I'd, what I'd gotten. Um, but I do recognize how truly blessed I was to be raised in the household I was. So, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think <clears throat> while... I also, I just related so much to what you said because I grew up in the South, Pentecostal church, chasing those highs at youth group, and I also related to that. <clears throat> um, and I am also, I'm thankful that I grew up in, like, the house that I grew up. I am also thankful that my parents' take on, on Christianity was more nuanced. It wasn't, like, it wasn't legalistic, it, and there was a lot of grace in that, and I know that that's not everybody's story. I do want to recognize that religious trauma exists for people. And, and I also want to recognize that I grew up in the South as a Christian, and I'm sure that others who grew up in the South not as a Christian, you know, I was, in the, I was honestly in the majority there. So there's a lot of, um, honestly, like privilege that comes with that. And because I, I remember when I was younger, I was kind of in a Christian bubble and I'm sure that there are many people who did not grow up Christian who probably felt on the outside. Um, that's what I imagine and, and in the South. And that must have been hard because I remember, um, you know, just how other people perceived them. And, and so I recognize that that must have been really hard. And, that, and I'm not proud of the picture of Christianity that those people have. And I've struggled with that a lot. Um, I think as I've gotten older... <clears throat> kind of stepping out of my my Christian bubble, having friends outside of um, Christianity, my eyes have opened to the fact that they don't always get the best picture of Jesus. And that has really, really bothered me because I, in my heart, I know 
like Jesus, my relationship with Jesus has helped me through a lot. And of course, like it's, I kind of think about it as um, when you're really excited and I'm such a person who, if I tried like a face cream that I really like and it works for me, I'm like, you should try it. It's so good, you know? Um, and so I'm kind of, I'm the same way with, of course, like my relationship with Jesus and, and I've, you know, struggled with mental health issues and, and Jesus was always my solace that I'd go to who got me through that. And so I, of course, want to, um, to my friends, like when I was younger, I was like, you should do, you should pray to Jesus. (laughs) And and sometimes, um, sometimes just recognizing that that sometimes the best love and the best version of Jesus you can be is actually to stay silent in those moments and, and just listen. Um, that's like a lesson that I learned. Um, and, and truly like love the people and, and act as Christ in that way. And you don't always have to use words. So, um, but I, I do wanted, I did want to recognize that at least in the, the geographic area that I was raised in, um, it could have been very difficult to not be raised in a Christian household. So, Yeah, I think that's a a really interesting question, just like hearing from Zach and Sarah. Um, Growing up in a Christian household can look very different um, depending on the family that you're with, the geographical area that you're you're living in, um, just the larger community that you live in too, like how how many Christians are you surrounded? Are you in a Christian bubble or are you not? And so I think reflecting on my own upbringing and how that was, I think that was influenced by a lot of different things. Um, For one, I think growing up in a Christian household where my my parents were were from India and just like thinking about the ways that um, Christian, different things are emphasized in in Christian circles in in India versus here. Um, Like for example, um, in India, there can be just culturally. There's a lot of focus on like honor and um, and sometimes like the other side of that is shame. And so I think um, for me that was something that uh, definitely like colored a lot of um, like Christian upbringing that I had, or is just like how um, like how are you bringing honor to to God, but also how are you bringing honor to your family um and then when you fail to live up to that or um you don't do it perfectly it's like kind of experiencing a lot of um of shame in response to that um or just thinking about like the the city that I grew up in in St. George where um there was not really like a Christian bubble around me except for when I was at at church and in like small gatherings with other Christians in in churches and thinking about like the way that we talked about and and practiced Christianity when we were at home together versus going out into school or my or my dad going out into his workplace and um, not being surrounded by that community I think the way that um, people live out their Christianity can be uh, different based on that as well Um, and so I think it's been really interesting to hear about the the context that our Christianity has, um, that we've practiced our Christianity and that we've um, been raised in to practice Christianity. And 
Um, and so I think like not growing up in a Christian household can also similarly look very, very different um, from um, just like depending on the different context that you're in. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Thanks. Um, so through this sermon series, uh, we've heard from Heather, Johnny, Michelle, um, and there are various topics covered, the things that come to mind. Um, I believe Heather uh, talked about um, self-worth. Uh, Michelle talked about how um, the image that we want others to see uh, of us, uh, and I think Johnny referenced how we all carry the inherent uh, Christ-like image uh, upon us. And so um, of, of those items that they've discussed or any other ones that I didn't mention, which one of those topics resonated most with you when um, thinking about your identity uh, in Christ, uh, your identity um, in all, all definitions of it? <laughs> yeah, I think for me, um, one of the topics that resonated the most for me is actually uh, what others um, what others think of me. Uh, and I think a big part of that goes back to um, just, like, again, the sort of cultural upbringing that I had in which, like, honor um, and what other people think is, is very important um, of you. And when we were talking last week about the story of Jacob and Esau and, like, how they were given their names and how those were stories given to them from a very young age. Um, I think in a lot of ways that's happened, happened to me as well. Um, just being, being told, um, like, oh, for example, like, you are, um, you, you are supposed to be, like, really intelligent and educated and um, with education being so important in my family, like, um, I think I internalized at a pretty young age that I was supposed to be, um, supposed to attain, like, a really high level and be knowledgeable and, um, have a lot of intellect and subsequently have developed a tendency to intellectualize my faith. Um, and, and so I think, um, a lot of those tendencies have come from just the stories that I've been told about who I'm supposed to be um, by by others, and um, particularly when it comes to just um, being told that I was supposed to be a very like intellectual um, and knowledgeable person. So I think hearing about those like stories that other people tell about us or or give to us um, really resonated with me. Yeah. I I agree. I think the one that most resonated with me um, is probably last last week when Johnny just spoke about the stories that other people kind of bestow on you, and then that becomes the story that you tell yourself. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen like How I Met Your Mother, but I always remember um, when Lily goes back with her high school friends and she like reverts back into her high school self, and and to me, that's just like such a perfect example of you're living into the expectations that others have for you. And it's really hard to break out of that. Um, and I remember in high school, um, 
I wasn't necessarily, even though I was, I was like in the top 10 of my class and was smart, um, I wasn't necessarily known as the most smart person because I would zone out and I wasn't, honestly, I just wasn't paying attention to what they were saying. So that's, it's more of an attention problem. Um, but, but I would get mocked and, you know, and that was a story that I told myself and I couldn't wait to like go to college and be able to shed that because I found it really hard to like break out of that mold. And so I started telling myself that. And then, you know, other, other things that other people tell you, if, if you're around that person, it's really hard to shed that. Um, and again, like the one thing that always brings me back is, you know, if I get up in front of people and I'm afraid to talk or whatever, I always just go back, you know, I know who I am in Christ. God, give me the words to say or whatever it is. Like I know that I have power and that I am an image bearer of Christ. And because of that, like I, I can do this. I can, I have that power. You've given it to me. Um, and that's always given me, given me strength when I've been, when those stories that I've been fed or in that I've fed myself, to be honest, and that have, I've let become a part of my identity, um, when those start to come at me, um, I, I do find strength in, in knowing that I am an image bearer of Christ. My wife and I have been coming here, I think I mentioned this, five or six months, and we've joked with Heather and Johnny multiple times that it'd be great if they'd start writing sermons for other people. Because, um, you know, this, this series has been no exception that sometimes I sit out there and I feel like I'm being talked to directly through the person on the stage, which I appreciate. Um, and my wife was supposed to be sitting on this stool this morning. She's home with our sick little girl. Um, and someday I hope you get to hear her story and her journey towards her own identity because it's truly amazing and impactful. Um, but what has stood out to me um, the most from this series was, was part of what Michelle shared that first week. Um, and she was talking about our story, and it's been said a lot by everybody, is this idea of like who we are is built upon the story that we tell or the story that gets told about us. Um, and I love the parallel that she drew to what happens when you live your life based on the story that other people are writing for you or the story that you write based on other people's expectations and how constraining that is and how difficult that is and how challenging it is because you're never going to meet the level of expectation that other people have. You're never going to meet the level of expectation that you have for yourself. Um, and I have discovered over the course of my life that every time I try to jump in the driver's seat or pick up the pen and write my own story and navigate my own journey um, and stubbornly do it based on what I think other people want or based on even what I think I want for myself, I find myself struggling. And I find myself discouraged. And I find myself disappointed with the results. And when you look at that as a whole, you can either say things like, well, I'm just a failure, I'm just bad at life, or maybe I just need to change my perspective. And something that she said was so impactful to me when she talked about allowing the story that narrates our life to be the one that Jesus gives to us, um, how much of a difference that truly makes, right? When I choose to live my life based on the things that Jesus had to say about me, um, because they're not critical, they're not condescending, they're not judgmental, um, they come from a place of love. 
and kindness and justice. And, and those are the, the filters through which when we view the world through the filter that is Jesus, I think it makes a huge impact. So for me as a person who is very much so in process and trying to figure out who I am, I think series like this are really important to remind us that it is a journey and that like any other journey, we constantly have to look back at the map or the set of instructions in front of us. Um, and to be the most successful, I think that that comes with a lot of grace, a lot of self-compassion, and looking to the life of Jesus and listening to the things that he says about us. So, um, yeah, this has been an impactful series and a good reminder um, that who I am is, is, is a pretty special person. So. Awesome. Well, as, as, a, as a final question, um, just wanted to ask each, each of you, is there a practice that has helped you um, gain your sense of identity that you'd like to share uh, with all of us? Yeah, boiling it down to a practice is, is tough. There's lots of practices that are impactful, but I think what I will say is the most impactful one for me is um, I'm a, I'm a musical person. I love music. I connect to, I connect music to everything. If a soundtrack for a movie's good, I'm going to enjoy it more. Um, if an adaptation from a book to a movie comes with really great music by a really great composer, I'm going to enjoy it more. Um, and so for me, a big piece of my identity has come through, uh, and it's really cool. You mentioned you're a musical therapist. I think that's really cool. Um, maybe I'll come see you sometime. You said kids, but I don't know. Make an exception. Um, this idea that music can speak to us and that music exists in everything. And so the practice that I have put into effect in my life is that on a daily basis, I try to get quiet. Um, and I try to put on like a soft soundtrack or something in the midst of the quiet um, to allow myself to dissociate from everything else in my life for a moment and come back to this center point that is... Who am I right now? What do I need right now? And allow myself this sort of space to be compassionate to myself. Because um, I'm my own harshest critic. I can be very mean and unkind to myself. And I have to intentionally take a moment to put that side of who I am, um, silence it, and allow in the silence for the, the voice of the Holy Spirit to come to me and, and remind me of who I am. Um, so that's a practice that I hope maybe it could be helpful for you, is, is finding quiet, um, if it involves music or meditation or whatever, just getting comfortable being silent with yourself because in that silence, um, the Jesus that lives inside of you can actually have a chance to speak. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have any, like, regular practices that I do to, like, get in touch with, um, like, anything regular, but... I also like to play music and I like to meditate. Um, I have done, I think, okay, I'm like thinking of this as I'm talking, um, external processor over here. But I would say probably journaling, which I haven't done in a while, which is why it didn't come to mind um, off the bat. Um, but just journaling, you know, about your day. And I, I found that in the past that's really, like especially when I'm going through a really hard time, um, just journaling about your day and, and you'll notice things about the way you reacted or the way other people reacted or whatever. Um, you'll just notice like, why did I respond that way? Or why did I do that? And then you're learning more and more about yourself that you wouldn't if it's, at least for me, being an external processor, 
um, there's a lot going on up here. So getting it out is really important for me or just talking out loud um, to God. Um, that's also been like a really important thing for me to do and thinking through like each facet of my identity. Um, like I said, I'm part of, I'm in grad school right now and that's been a few of my assignments that, again, this isn't like a practice that I'd say like everybody go write an essay about every part of your identity, but that is some, a practice that has been helpful for me. So even if it's like in a journal form, um, just thinking through in a non-formal way, um, you know, this was my experience today. Um, and how did God show up, and, um, and what can I learn from this? And I think that ultimately brings you closer to, to yourself and, and who God made you to be. Um, that's really cool to hear about your all's practices of um, music or journaling um, and, or in just, like, creating, like, silence and, and space. Um, I think for me, those things are really difficult. <laughs> Um, I have anxiety at baseline, and so sometimes creating, like, silence or just, like, having a blank uh, book or sheet of paper to journal in can um, actually make it really difficult if I am feeling, like, challenges or, or difficulties um, with my, with thinking about my identity. So I think one thing for me that's been really helpful, and it's not something that I do on a regular basis necessarily, but I find that when I am feeling, like, unsure of, of my identity, I think just having, like, different, you could call them mantras or reminders um, that I just, like, repeat to myself in those moments, um, repeating to myself that I, I know I'm fully known and, and loved by God. And um, even in this time where I'm experiencing... Um, just like some insecurity or um, just like feeling like unsure of, of my identity, I can repeat these things to myself that I know are true and kind of um, give less power to um, the anxious thoughts or insecurities that can creep in. Awesome. Well, can we give a round of applause for these guys? Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks so much for being a part of this and uh, being willing to uh, be open and vulnerable. And I'd, I would invite everyone else to um, share your stories with one another, share how Christ has impacted your life and has shaped your, your identity to who you are today and that we would all carry each other's burdens together. Uh, so you guys could go ahead. Head down. Um, so here, Missio, we... Uh, uh, we do take communion, uh, come to the table here every Sunday. It's a place where uh, all are welcome. Uh, and um, before we move into uh, another uh, round of musical worship, just, yeah, wanted to recognize that. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much. Uh, if you would all just uh, pray with me, I'll close this out here. Um, dear Lord, uh, we're thankful for the lives that you have given us. Um, Lord, as it was shared, um, there are large moments, there are small moments, all of these things uh, just shape who we are, shape uh, the people that you have uh, created us to be. Lord, I ask that 
um, as we go through this journey in life, that we would come to recognize uh, the grace that each one of us have been bestowed, um, the love that each one of us has received from you, and the overall ability, Lord, to be um, bearers of your image. Um, Lord, we thank you for uh, just who you have made us to be. And Lord, may we we live into the fullness uh, that you've set before us um, and that we would continue as a community uh, to lean on one another, to show that Christ-like love to our brothers and sisters, both in this building and outside of it. Um, we thank you, Lord, uh, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.